The Antidote's visiting with Ben and Joe of Comrades. New band for me. I know nothing about you guys. And I feel bad doing this interview this way. Give me the background. When do you guys start? Who's involved? Well, um, Joe, I'll let you answer that okay. one since you were around <laughs> in the beginning. Um, well, we started the bands uh, kind of roughly under another name in 2008. Uh, Laura, myself, and a, a guy that went to college. And um, Ben ended up playing with us about a year after that. Um, and we became an instrumental band and adopted the name Comrades when, when Ben was with us. And um, that would have been 2009. And then he wasn't in the band for a few years. And now he's back with us. And we're, we've been just touring as much as we can since then. We're a, a mostly instrumental band, um, heavier music. Yeah, it's just a, a three-piece guitar, bass, and drums, and Ben does a little bit of shouting, and Laura does a bit of singing, and um, Laura, Laura and I are now married, so yeah, it's a, a family affair. And you yeah. shout because you're struggling with your life. <laughs> that <laughs> is exactly. <laughs> yes, that is why. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like it fits the music really well, um, and it's, it's like a good contrast to Laura's singing um, with our music's really heavy and then really light and Laura's singing is very light and I guess my vocals are really heavy so it kind of fits the mood. But now you've been saying it's an instrumental band but now you're talking about the singing so is that just a smaller aspect of the music itself? Yeah, yeah it is. Over the past couple of years I've heard a couple of bands that have had small vocal parts here and there and I never knew if it would work but hearing the recordings of those bands made I really liked the vibe just having these big stretches of music and then having small vocal parts, it felt really special. Not, not something that's done a ton, but um, we were pretty comfortable with trying that out. But you wouldn't consider the band post-rock? I was going to say, we, we get lumped into being a post-rock band because people don't really know how to, I guess, classify what we do. Um, it is, what, 75-80% instrumental. Um, we do you know, reverbs and delays and stuff, but it's not, our, our songs aren't 20 minute, you know, drawn out epic. The song structure and the, the intensity of our show is a lot more like a hardcore band or like a punk band. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, it's just kind of somewhere in between there, you know, we're, mm. we're part post-rock, part punk, part hardcore, uh, you know, indie rock, just kind of play what, what comes to us. This isn't going to be the lame interviewer question asking <laughs> about influences because Influences are different from people that you enjoy musically. So who are you guys into? Mm. I think the three of us would all agree that two bands have really shaped us and two albums actually. One of those bands and albums is As Cities Burns, Son I Loved Yet Your Darkest and Beloved Failure On. We love those bands and we're just constantly listening to them. I think we all see eye to eye about Thrice as well. Thrice, a lot yes, of stuff that Thrice true. has done has kind of influenced us. And, and for me, I listened to a lot of more technical stuff like The Fall of Troy and stuff like that mm -hmm. when, I was, when I was younger. Yeah. I and now. <laughs> I kind of feel like all of our influences were back when we were 19 because now I listen, all I listen to is acoustic music. But you mean now that you're old? Now that I'm old, now that I'm 25. See, I still listen. I just 70. listen to the same stuff that I did when I was 17, and it's great fun. So, <laughs> you brought up thrice. Mm. What do you think about what Dustin Kensrud does now? So, could you? What is he doing now? I know he was a worship <laughs> pastor at Mars Hill, and then that's not happening anymore. Well, well, what I did hear is thrice is playing some shows this summer, so that's exciting. That's all I know. I mean, I know he did he did singer-songwriter stuff, and that was all really good. I know Laura yeah. sometimes plays his songs uh, for her acoustic project. Yeah, it was so good. So, 
no band ever quits completely now. You know, they go away for 10, 20 years. Now we're going to start seeing all these guys, even another 25 and 30 years. They're going to come up with the ambulance to the door of the venue and <laughs> offload them and get them set up on the stage, you know, yeah. get them into their walkers, into the wheelchairs, little IV running. That'll be us. <laughs> it was crazy. We saw the Supertones last night. They were probably my third show. I was seven when I first saw them. I'm 25, and they all look the same. Even uh, even my epic last night, they, I, I saw them for the first time probably almost 11 years ago. Yeah. So. And there's a yeah. whole thing now, 10-year 10, 10 anniversary tours that bands are doing. So does age make a difference in music? Do you think it matures more and actually gets better? Or do you go on the downward slope? Oh. <laughs> I've seen both happen. Yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of bands really they get to their you know they've been playing music for five or six years and they get to their peak and they're they're just starting to make the best music of their life and then they yeah. quit and give up because they want to settle down and do families and all that stuff and so i think i think a lot of people actually never reach their potential i, I also think that a lot of people that maybe play good music when they're younger end up kind of just falling into the status quo and end up making music that fits into the market or is what what people think sells or whatever so i i, mm. I think there's both sides of that i think you get bands that are older that make the best music you ever heard. I think you get bands that are older that end up just doing what they think people like. You know, so yeah, I think it could go both ways. You think they're just doing it strictly on a financial standpoint? I, I think. I mean, I think there are some bands that you know, and as getting older, you know, they have a family after they have to look at it more of a, what can we do that that'll pay the bills? You know, and if they think doing a more traditional verse-chorus song structure is going to pay the bills, then I think they'll do that. But I think there's also a lot of bands that, as they get older, just really can push the envelope and, and yeah. do incredible things. You know. Well, just also, like, I think some bands, like, seem to capture a, a spirit in some albums that are, are really amazing, and I think sometimes those bands seem to lose that spirit somewhere along the way. And, well, personally for me, like, those are the albums I don't like as much that seem, like, less uh, maybe sincere. But some bands, like, keep the same spirit, even if their music changes or maybe isn't, you know, as good as this album or that album, as long as they keep that sincerity. They usually keep, you know, keep my interest. I wonder how difficult it would be for a band. They want to be commercially viable, but sometimes do you lose the art? Mm. Well, I think I think that's been an interesting question for us. From a business standpoint, a lot of people that maybe you know agents or record labels have kind of had a hard time understanding where to put our bands. You know, we're we're a band that um, some people would classify as an instrumental band. You know, we, we do a lot of tours with hardcore bands and with mm. uh, you know bands like that. So I, I think a, I think from a from a music industry perspective, it's been hard to to figure out you know where where we fit. And that's been something we always liked about our band. We liked being the different band. We liked being the odd man out. You know, we yeah. wanted to to kind of push the envelope and, and make people think. You know, and try to do something that was as artistic as possible. Mm. But I, I do think that that's something that you know from an industry perspective is is hard to like put your finger on and. You know, from a label's perspective, you know, how, how do you make money with that, you know? And it's a fine line that you can walk between being odd and actually being strange. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's true. Yeah, we've seen some strange bands. Oh, yes, we have. There's always that guy that's making noises on two tape decks that has a really big mustache and, you know. You know, kind of like more on the, it's not just a, a music show, but it's also kind of like a, a dress-up circus kind of thing, you know? Which I think can be really cool in the right setting. Well, now we've talked a lot about how other people develop their music. How do you build the music of Comrades? The last record, 
was interesting because we basically had two weeks to write a full-length album. And so we basically spent two weeks in a studio drinking Dr. Pepper. And Joe often has a lot of ideas. I will have, often have a lot of ideas. Um, and so we'll kind of just... I think, I think Ben will have a lot more ideas in terms of the structure of the song and of like um, how things should flow. I'll, I'll try to bring to the table as many actual little snippets of music, guitar riffs and stuff like that as I can. Um, we live 10 hours apart. Ben lives in Massachusetts and Laura and I live in Virginia. And so the last record that we did, we, we, I mean, we basically had two weeks to write and record it. So you know, we just ended up kind of all setting up and playing and that's what happened. And you know, yeah. it, was a, it was a lot of hard work, you know. Yeah. Just uh, we all brought what we wanted to, to to the table, and I think we ended up with something that we're we're proud of at this point, you know. Yeah, Laura's just amazing with lyrics. She'll kind of like feel out what she feels like the song is about, and she's really good at that. So it's the music that starts first, then the lyrical content. Yes. So mm-hmm. she will actually develop something that she thinks ties into what you're doing. Yeah, she was doing that for for a while, and then her and I have been kind of working on that together. For the but new album. For yeah. the new one, yeah. And Safekeeper a little. A, a lot of times when Ben and me are just playing the same riff over and over and over again, trying to nail it down, she'll just be sitting there writing, you know, not actually playing music with us. She'll just be there trying to figure out, you know, oh, here's some stuff that this makes me feel. Yeah, the songs basically are just written by having a conversation. We'll just be like, what happens next? Does this happen? I don't like that. Let's do this. I don't <laughs> like that. And by the time we're done with the conversation, we have a song. Yeah. So... Well, you were bringing up the point earlier about labels, but you guys, you said how a label might have a difficult time figuring out where to fit you or even getting signed to a label, but you did get signed to a label because you went with Blood and Ink. Yes. Well, yeah, and and Blood and Ink's been really cool. Um, I think the difference with Blood and Ink is that, you know, the fellow that runs that label was actually able to see us live, and I think that that makes it a lot easier for for somebody in his position to understand, oh, this is a band that that can be put in a couple different places, or this is a band that's fine touring with hardcore bands. I mean, Blood Nick is more of a hardcore label than anything else. They have some other bands as well, but... um, And I think he was able to see that, that we could fit on those kind of things. It wasn't like we were super odd to that, and... um, I mean, he, you know, he's he's from the same state as we are, and so he was able to see us live a few times, and you know, we were all able just to get to know each other, and so that that worked out pretty well. And we've we got we've known him for probably five years now at this point. What kind of a time frame was there between starting Comrades and pulling out that first album? Um, yeah, there was a lot of hangups. Like that, that was kind of like right before I kind of jumped in and there was like a lot of frustrating stuff that Joe and Laura had to deal with. But yeah, that album was pretty late, right? Yeah, well, I mean, the album that we put out on, on Blood and Ink, that, that was just last year. Um, we, we actually did, what, an album and two EPs before that um, that were all just kind of done, you know, DIY in-house kind of thing. Um, but until Ben started playing with us again, we just couldn't keep a drummer with us. So <laughs> ben, ben was in the band back in the day and you know for the past couple years he's been with us again and so that's just that's just the way it's meant to be you know but in that time in the middle there was kind of some frustration and some some setbacks for sure Hmm. you ever find that sometimes with some bands they actually do diy better than they do with a label totally oh i mean absolutely i i think a lot of times bands and labels have a hard time understanding each other and and having a just a honest communication about what they're both trying to get out of it um, and you know, Daniel. I mean, Blood and Ink is not a is not a huge label, but they're uh, 
like they understand what we're doing and they support what we're doing and and they do their part and they keep up their end of the deal and we do our part and, and it, it just works well you know yeah we just we have a good a good honest relationship some of my favorite bands are diy bands that have never been signed and and were really successful and just the the, the smarts that they had to, to get there were really, are really fascinating you know it's, it's possible you know because I've, I've done recording before where the people, like the engineers or the people mixing or mastering, weren't familiar with the band that I was in. Um, and it just took a lot of talking and, and, and... I mean, even even us on getting the last album mixed. Yeah. Like, we, we had to we had to kind of... A lot of back and forth trying to just get on the same page with the guy that mixed it. And it ended up turning out great, but it took a while to get there because he didn't, didn't know what we were doing. Right. Yeah, he did a great job. Yeah. But, um... But yeah, you're right. Like it, sometimes it it really comes down to do people know what you're going for, you know? And what we're going for is is, is a little less produced and polished than the norm. So I think it's it's a fine line you can walk between having a producer that really is truly assisting you. I mean, often you pick a producer because he has a certain style and you want that style. But I don't know if enough guys can actually be flexible enough to really gather yeah. what the band's about. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a really good point. I think that's something, you know, with us being a little bit of an oddball and a little bit, you know, not, not quite the norm of any one genre, I think that's something that, in terms of thinking about, you know, what we do with our future recordings, that's definitely a bridge that we'll have to cross again, you know, trying to figure that out. Something else that gets brought up, especially with instrumental bands, well, what's the Christian aspect? Good question. That's, that's a great question. Yeah. I know, I'll answer, and I know you have a great answer for this too, but um, for me, like, I don't listen to a ton of instrumental music, but when I do, it all, it's always a time to reflect, and so, um, because there's no words, the music serves as sort of a soundtrack to you engaging with whatever it is that you are dealing with, and so for us, we will sometimes encourage people, like, if you, if you believe in the Lord, um, then, like, take this time to, like, use our music and just and connect with God. If not, like whatever, wherever you're at, like use this as a, as a chance to get involved in that. And I think that's really been a powerful thing for people. Um, we'll often have people come up to us after shows and just say that they experienced something pretty profound. And so I think there's a place for vocals and I think we, at what we've done so far, hoped that we could just be sort of a soundtrack for people experiencing something cool, you know, with God. I think that was a great answer. You, you earned your Dr. Pepper today. Wish <laughs> I drank it. <laughs> if everybody only gets the opportunity to listen to one song from Comrades, what is it going to be? We might have different answers for this. Man, well, I, I, I think... I know what I'm going to say. Though. I think the song of ours that incorporates, I guess, all facets of the band the best is probably a song called Endless. Um, but I, I think... My favorite song that I would tell people to listen to would probably be Orphan Hymn. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, Orphan Hymn is probably the realest, best thing we've ever written, I think. It's not the most crazy, but I think it's the best. Now you've got to break it down. What's the difference with that song? What makes it stand out so much? I think it's just, I think we were able to capture so much, like, honesty and emotion with that song. It's, it's a... I mean, most of the song is actually pretty quiet. It's one of our one of our less heavy songs that the, the end picks up. But um, there's just so much of a build and, and an emotion that 
that I think people have been able to really tangibly connect to. And there, there are lyrics in that song, and um, it's just something that's so real for a lot of people, you know? We were just yeah. able to, to really hit on on a, some sort of strain of the, the human condition, you know, and just resonate with people on that yeah. one. But your songs are pretty and nice, aren't they? Would anybody ever call your songs pretty? Yeah, I think I think a, a good part of our music is pretty. It's it's something that is you know people would say is, is beautiful, but there's also a lot of our songs that are dark and, and angry as well. Mm. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of that emotion in the record that we have too. You know, I mean, calling down fire to keep warm is a pretty angry song. Yeah, yeah. Joe and I are both violin players, violinists, and I think you know our music is. I would compare it to classical music. Um, which used to be largely instrumental. Um, people would just go into big venues and just listen to an orchestra play. And I think you know we try to capture that same spirit in 2015 with with uh, electric guitar, drums, and bass. So you know, hopefully, it is pretty. I think we're, I think that influences us a lot. You know, the things we learned from classical music. I've never heard you music. And the reason I'm talking to you guys is because I had three people recommend you and say, why are you not talking with comrades? And I thought, we've got to set this up. What do you think it is about your music that's drawn them in so tight? Mm. Um, I think he's asking us to toot our own horn. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think, I, think when I, I think for us, we really try to be relational. Um, and I guess what that means is if we have a show where there's one person or if we're playing audio feed and there's 400, like it, it really doesn't matter because um, each show is different. And so I think if we have a show where there's one person, we try to get to know the, the touring bands and, the, and each other more. And if there's shows like this, we try to get to know actual people more. But like, I think the people that know us um, are, are pretty much all friends at this point. Um, so I don't know. I I think that maybe that's why. Maybe they they're friends with us, and they, they, <laughs> they I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. We just we've we've always tried to just been really like just yeah friendly and relational with all the other bands. Try to support everybody, and um, just you know we're really community minded when it comes to the music scene. And so yeah, I think that I, I guess what, what goes around comes around, you know. And hopefully that's a a positive thing, and other people can do that as well, you know. We've been here with Joe and Ben of Comrades. Guys, this has been great. Thanks for being honest. Yeah. Thank you, Dave. This has been sweet. Yeah, thank you very much. This is awesome. Yeah, yeah.